Welcome to the Expat Rewind. My name is Stephanie and I will be your host in this experience. What we're doing in this podcast is reaching back into the first year of an expat or geopath's existence into something they put online, whether it was via a blog, Facebook, Instagram, any sort of social media feed, or an email that they sent to a group of people that they knew. And we're going to reach back into that post where they told the world about their experience as an expat or geopath. And then the expat or geopath will reflect on what they what they think of, what they wrote, what they've learned since then, and anything else that comes up as they're reading that online experience that they posted all those years ago. On the last guest post episode, we started the interview with Shannon, where we talked about Fapios, banking, moving to a new place, starting a new creative project online, winning at negotiating, and so much more. Please feel free to dig into that previous episode uh, in addition to the one that you're about to listen to. In this part of Shannon's interview, we talk about safety and theft in China and the unlikely comparison of Spain versus China uh, living and visiting Uh, both in living and in visiting those two places and how many similarities there really are between the two countries. We also talk about personal space, what rudeness really is or isn't. We talk about quiet places, China being misunderstood by a lot of people who don't live here or haven't been here. And so, so much more. Again, I think you'll enjoy the second part of Shannon's episode on Expat Rewind. Okay, going back to the laundry thing for a second. You mentioned that there used to be more laundry out. Where has it gone? Do more people have like inside laundry hanging places? I think a lot of people are putting. I think people put it inside a lot, also because of pollution sometimes. Ah, okay. But I think part of it was that I lived in the old city, Mm -hmm. and there were. It was lanes, but it was also just, even the things that weren't lanes, I don't know, it was just like, it was more the nature of the neighborhood. I think where I am now, I'm right by the city center, and I think they've, I don't know if they've told people not to do it so Mm -hmm. much, or maybe because it's more touristy, and so people don't want it out where people Uh, can, like, mess with it or something. Which is another funny cultural thing, because when U.S. friends came, or either saw, like, my blog post pictures, Mm -hmm. it's so funny, you know, their first reaction was... What, how do people trust to put it out there that people won't steal it? And I was like, that's so American because no Chinese person would ever think like someone's going to steal my laundry. You just you wouldn't do it. And it's actually most of it isn't worth stealing anyway. But I mean, you know, it's like people's old gra- grandma's like old panties and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, there's comforters out and there's things yeah. that I mean, you could want to, I mean, I, I don't know, but it's just like a more an accepted thing mm-hmm. that people wouldn't do it. So I just, yeah. but I always got that reaction when I posted those pictures and so that cracked me up. Oh yes. It's funny because even in Chinatown in San Francisco and it's other places, I'm sure there's, there's people that putting their laundry outside yeah. like that still. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not just a Chinese thing. There's other cultures no. that do that too, but it's just, it's such a part of the culture to have the fresh air and the, and I think yeah. the sun on it's supposed to do It's a big thing. thing. Yeah. And so with the comforters and stuff, it's a big thing. Yeah. 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 Actually living in Spain, that's the first place I've ever been. Mm-hmm. So also play, they just didn't use dryers a lot. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. There's a lot of commonalities between Spain and China. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, top three. Oh, I don't know. You started the list. (laughs) Um, I think, like, the importance of 
family mm -hmm. and and like the a certain collegiality that comes from like the group you belong to. Mm -hmm. So here I feel like if you're like if you're it comes from sort of the work unit here, but like mm -hmm. when I work at a place, they do feel like we have some belonging together, even mm -hmm. though we may not have any interests in common, but it's yep. like we're kind of, and I know classmates are like that here too, and yep. family. I feel like that's something that's kind of true in Spain also, and family is definitely in it more, maybe not the extent of multi-generational living, but there's a little more of that kind of thing. Hmm, what else? Even though here, again, in an urban environment and with the pollution stuff, it's not as much, but there's still a certain thing about like exercising outdoors, walking, mm -hmm. doing the dancing in the parks. Yep. They always had the, I think it's made by Chinese companies, but they had it all over Spain, the little outdoor gyms. Yes. I always worked out at that in, yeah. in Spain. And I came here, I'm like, yes, they still have them here. We so. have one in our complex. <laughs> yeah. Um, not I, the entrance we went in, but the other entrance, they have those metal... Like almost yeah. ellipticals and yeah, things like that. Kind of the yeah. rowers. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, use yeah. them all. I use them all the time in my neighborhood. We have one in our complex, but it's kind of deteriorating. But a couple others nearby, and I go, and it's usually me and older people. Yeah. Sometimes people just resting on the machines, and they always look at me kind of this <laughs> But it was the same way in Spain, pretty yeah. much. That, and I mean, things like the laundry, and mm -hmm. also a little bit, also noise. It's also a noisy but I, I don't know if that's a China thing, really, because that's probably because we live in a, the urban Shanghai, I don't think. But there is a thing of people, like, when people talk on phones. Mm -hmm. or, oh, that's it. I would say that and personal space. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, okay. personal yep. space. Because I remember there there's a lot less people per square or whatever mm -hmm. kilometer in Spain, so that you don't have to be as close. Mm -hmm. um, but there's not a sense of, like, I should sit far away from a person. Yep. So I remember the first time I noticed it was sitting on a metro there and there, mm -hmm. the whole train was pretty much empty, which would not happen here. Yeah. And a guy came and sat down like right next to me. Yeah. And then I saw it happen again and again in bars or restaurants. Someone mm -hmm. would stand right in front of you. And it was very much something that would cause a fight in the U S like, why are you in my space? Yeah. <laughs> um, and here there isn't a lot of space, but there's also not that sense, you know, people can touch you and rub up against you accidentally. And it's not like, Oh my gosh. It's so true. So. It is one of the things I cannot shed. Mm -hmm. I want to shed. I grew up with Italian parents and an Italian family mm -hmm. where you did not have space. Uh -huh. And yet I have my 15 feet of space that mm -hmm. I need around me. I cannot shed it. I know it's ridiculous to need that much personal space. And I have to check myself when somebody gets close to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, it just comes out. And I'm like, I know better. I've experienced different. This is fine. And it just... <laughs> It's one thing I cannot get rid of. It's, I think that's hard because it's so, it's, I mean, because it is spatial. So it's yeah. hard to, I mean, you're not just, it's not just something intellectual. But it's not, feel. I don't, I never feel huh. in danger, you right, know? Right. It's just sort of like, I need that extra centimeter. Why? Why do I need that? There's nothing. I'm, I'm not even moving my arms. I'm not doing anything where I need that space. Yeah. I just need that space. Yeah. There are times that I'm just like, there's my international self and there's my American self. And it just kind of like, they just keep hitting each other. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like to think of like the the things, some of the things that irritate me. But then I also like to think of okay, what are the good sides of it, and how mm -hmm. can I like what's the advantage? Mm -hmm. And with the space thing, if I'm feeling like ill or something on the metro, or like I need like tired, I'm like <laughs> I can just lean against this guy over here. Like no one's gonna think anything, no. you know. If I'm like leaning on the person, or if I accidentally like brush it. And for yeah. me, I'm not really. I mean, I do like personal space, mm -hmm. but I'm not always good about. I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm inconsiderate. I'm not always aware. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm a person that will occasionally like miss holding the door open for someone mm -hmm. or something just because I'm unaware. And I, in the US, I'm so, I'm so like in trouble all the time because I can't do anything right in my culture because I'm not, I'm not yes. always conscious of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not ultra like hyper aware. Yes. And probably even more so now. We're here, like no one's gonna, <laughs> 
because it's not such a big deal uh-huh. when you're doing those kind of things. Um, people, you know, they, so I, I, in some ways I get along better here in those regards. I, I cannot relate any more humanly possible to that. Before we were here this time, we were in Iowa, very unpopulated state mm-hmm. and people are very, very keenly aware of everybody that's around them all the time mm-hmm. and how to be decent to them. Right. And I think, As a city person, I felt like they kind of went a step too far. And people would hold doors for two or three minutes. Yes. Yes. Like they would seriously, like even like people were like rushing to class, like on campus, they'd be rushing to class and they'd turn to see if anybody was behind them. And I'd be like a mile away and they'd be just sitting there holding the door open. And I'd be like, I don't want to run. But because they're holding it, I now had to sped up. And I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> the rule is if you hold it for two seconds or three seconds and you're good. Right. And you've done your deed and you move on. But they, like, extended that yeah. so far that I just, I was constantly sprinting to get to the door so they could stop holding it. Yeah. And it was one of the things that I was just like, I can't adjust to small town America. <laughs> I feel like I'm polite, but I'm, I've never been, at, like, as conscious always of everything surrounding me. Right. Um, and so that's a detriment to me sometimes, you know, in the U.S. And yeah. I think it's fascinating because it also goes back to like what's rude and what's not, yeah. what's polite. Yeah. And another big thing here that I learned um, and had a lot of discussions in my language class with is, you know, here it's considered sort of rude or distancing mm-hmm. to say please and thank you a lot, especially to family members or friends. Mm-hmm. It makes it seem like you don't have a relationship with right. them. And I totally get that once someone explained it to me and all that. Yeah. But I remember my fellow Americans in a one Chinese class I took, they were just or like at the teacher, but I want to say please every time she goes, well, in certain sentence constructions, when you're saying it, it actually doesn't really make sense. Right. But also here's like culturally why. And they were like, we're not going to stop doing it because we're trained, you know, to do it. So, but I liked hearing about the why because it helps me mm-hmm. to understand, like we can just see that and say rude, or this is how, well, I was taught when I was growing up to do this, to be polite. And for them, it's the total flip side. That would be really, it would be rude and strange if you were saying, I mean, I say, say please and thank you to my husband all Mm -hmm. the time, but it would be weird. And like my parents, they would hear me interact (laughs) with my parents and think, but yet as an American kid, it was like, oh, you better always say, please and thank you. For everything all the time. Yeah. Sometimes when we read a lot, we get inspired to write. Was there any blog writing or travel writing that inspired you to start the blog? Uh, I used to read a, a fair amount of travel blog. Mm. I'm trying to think. Uh, now I can think of our podcast, but I read Adventurous Kate. She's one I still follow, so mm-hmm. I remember her. And, oh gosh, a few others. Besides travel blogs, I read mm. a lot of books about China. Mm. And a lot of them were sort of travel or memoirs. Peter Hessler mm-hmm. is a great one. Um, and at this time, particularly, it's funny because I, looking back at the blog, I also a lot of books on Kindle. Mm-hmm. I love how you can see like your digital orders, mm-hmm. so you can see what you were getting when. And now, yeah. unfortunately, I don't buy as many books that way, so I'm going to have a hard time tracking back. Mm-hmm. I also forget what I've read, so it's great. But I, looking back, I was like, wow, I've read so much about China. Like, it, I, that's pretty impressive. And I need to go back and reread some. And then I also try to do that when I travel places. So mm-hmm. if we're doing a trip to Japan or Indonesia, I'll try to look for authors from there mm-hmm. and podcasts, especially more recently. Yeah, so that's what, a lot of what I do now. And whether it's like the history of the place or just like a memoir written from the, mm-hmm. from the place. I like doing it before and I like doing it when I'm in the place yes. too. Because yeah. I feel like it's like I can look up from the book and be like, I'm here. Yes. This, has happened, this happened here. Yeah. <laughs> or it might have happened here or could happen here. Is there any one book that you always recommend to people about China or Shanghai? Following what I said before, I would mm-hmm. recommend something by Peter Hessler. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Rivertown, um, there's country, something country driving or whatever. So those are good. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, there's so many. And about Shanghai, one interesting one about Shanghai. It's not the one or only one I would recommend. Mm -hmm. And I hate that I'm saying both. Like, I'm not saying either by Chinese authors, but it's called Stateless in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And I actually met the author, mm -hmm. and she lived here. And what I like about it is you get a lot in Shanghai. You get a lot of, like, World War II era, mm -hmm. 1930s, like, the height of Shanghai Jazz Age books. So I've read tons of those. I always kind of fantasize about seeing, putting myself back there. Um, but this one, it starts in that time, or a little before even, and then she's actually here post-1949 for quite a few years because she's stateless um, because she, her parents immigrated here so she was actually born in China. So I think it's a really unique take mm -hmm. and covers like a lot of the city and a lot of the things going on but just a, a story that you there weren't many of her mm -hmm. like her. So she actually ended up emigrating to America as a Chinese-born white or a white Chinese-born or whatever they called her. <laughs> like So she had to go under the quota system as a Chinese immigrant yeah. because she was born in China. Mm -hmm. um, but she was not of Chinese heritage yeah. at all. So that's good, and I do like a lot by Chinese authors, Yu Hua, yeah, To Live. Mm -hmm. Did we talk about, did you recommend that book to me recently? No, mm -hmm. maybe a colleague of mine was saying so. that, but I had read it a while ago. Those are good mm -hmm. ones, I think, for understanding. Like Peter Hessler, I really think, like, broad-based China, mm -hmm. and it came here way long ago. Yeah, you mentioned about quiet places and how hard they were to find <laughs> back then. Do you have a favorite kind of quiet place that you find pretty easy to go to in Shanghai? I do find more and more now that with walking around, mm -hmm. there are still moments of quiet. Like in parks, parks can be loud and crazy, but yeah. you can also find quiet. Mm -hmm. I like to walk along Suzhou Creek. It's not like a beautiful like river walk. It's quite different than my walk in yeah. Spain, which was along the Mediterranean, <sighs> which was totally quiet, but also extensively <laughs> beautiful. Suzhou yeah. Creek's a different kind of beautiful. But I find that can be peaceful at times. And there's also like a lot of cafes that can be, cafes can vary because sometimes people will go in in a big group and have a lot of loud conversation, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more people, you know, working <coughs> in cafes quietly on their laptop and that kind of stuff. So there's, and there's so many in Shanghai that I think I you're bound to find one that's quiet. That's one of the things I really like about Shanghai. Yeah. <laughs> They've embraced really coffee culture to a big degree. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. 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 But there was something about bunny pajamas. Yeah. Did you own these bunny pajamas? I did, did you... and I still do, but they're very they're yes. very short. They never they were like the biggest <laughs> ones they had. That's another funny thing about China being I mean I'm tall, mm. but I never thought I would be like an XXL XL <laughs> you know, size. And yeah. those were the biggest ones they had, but they're still only like they're they're more like capri pants. But yeah, fuzzy bunny pajamas. And then when I got those, that time we lived in a, a, a nicer apartment complex. And there was only two apartments on every floor. And we had uh, German, well, German slash Portuguese neighbors. And I remember my neighbor sent me a, a message. We got our padded, big padded pajamas. So we had a picture of she and her husband in the giant, like old, like plaid, huge, like, Fluffy, giant. The pajamas, you can't wear them to bed. I mean, yeah. it's wearing, like, two down blankets. Yeah, yeah, so they were just their lounge clothes mm -hmm. to wear around. So she sent me those. But, yeah. Yeah, I have little, like, panda pillow hand warmers. I'm not wearing that stuff as much as I used to. I guess I thought it was very new and exciting when I was here at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super grumpy when I first moved to Taiwan because I, even in care for, uh, I couldn't find plain sheets with one color. Oh. Everything was not just 
flower patterned, but cartoon patterned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm an adult. <laughs> why, why this? Why that? And now I'll like consciously go and look for the cutest cartooniest thing <laughs> and carry that around consciously as a 46 year old woman. I'm yes. like, Hey, look at me. I'm cute. <laughs> I did have one grumpy. I have a like the neck pillows. Yeah. Um, I have a different one now, but I had this pink pig one. And actually, it's from a place in the U.S. It's yeah. those spa stores that are in there. Yeah. That's where I got it. And I had a grumpy old dude in the U.S. be like, "Aren't you a little old for that?" <laughs> All those flight attendants are very much like, "Oh, that's so cute." Blah blah yeah. blah. This guy, I was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Aren't you a little old to be talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Brings happiness. Yeah. Like, look, on a long flight, anything that's going to make someone smile is good. Seriously. (laughs) You mentioned that people were surprised by nobody stealing, like, clothes on the the racks and stuff. For the people you know who haven't come to China, what do you think is one of the biggest things that they don't understand about modern-day China? (sighs) Everything. Yeah. (laughs) It's big, isn't I'll, it? I'll encapsulate it in a few things. Yeah. Um, one, that level of safety, mm-hmm. which maybe doesn't have to do with the laundry ceiling, but the level of day-to-day safety, mm-hmm. which I know there's a trade-off, security versus things like privacy. Right. And I don't discount that, but I also see where it does work here in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. One of the few places I've lived where I'd be, I don't, I'm not usually out till 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. but I walk around by myself at 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I think people don't really know that until they hear more about day-to-day life. They hear a lot of things in snippets, so they do hear, like, oh, economic growth and blah, 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 but they don't, they just don't know what day-to-day life is mm-hmm. like, I don't think. And then they have a lot of thoughts on, like, the government and the sort of the bad, the negative things that the press likes to play up. And yeah. I still get a lot of, and it surprises me, because I feel like nowadays this wouldn't come up mm-hmm. as much. I feel like people would be more informed, but they'll always, oh, like, all right, do they, like, knock on your door? Are they you know, listening to your, you know, all this stuff. And they have this real strong feeling. And I always, I'm always like, here's kind of how it works. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, and also it's, there's like, it seems to be a lack of awareness about how things work in a lot of other places. My privacy is just as not available as it is in the U.S. as it is. I think the day-to-day stuff like that, that they think they have kind of an old school picture. And, And I say all that, not like I'm, the expert and know everything because I've lived here a long time. And, you know, it's a lot to unpack. It is. So it is. But the the difference between what I think the average, I wouldn't even say just average American, average person who's never been to China knows about mm-hmm. modern day China versus what it's like. Yeah, is extremely different. Yeah, and I still can't, in some way, wrap my head around. Is that because of what China's projecting into the world? What people are willing to absorb from what's coming out of China? Or just, is it partially a language barrier? Because people see things in Chinese language and they go, oh, I can't handle that. And they don't even look at pictures right. that come right. with it kind of thing. I don't I don't know why there's such a big difference between what they think they know and what is real. <laughs> yeah. And people are really surprised. Like when I we have visitors to Shanghai, they're mm-hmm. always like, and they usually fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. They're surprised. And especially Shanghai. It's a very unique part of China. <coughs> yeah. I'm not trying to equate it to all of China. And the day-to-day stuff that we try to explain, mm-hmm. like paying with everything with our phone, mm-hmm. using WeChat and Alipay, when we explain that to people, I always get this. And we're literally explaining how it works. Mm-hmm. But there's still, until you see, like you were talking about videos, there's some videos mm-hmm. online that show it better. Because you kind of really need to see how it operates, yep. like having a whole day doing it. Mm-hmm. Because 
because when you tell people, they'll say like, oh, we have, yeah, we have some stuff like that, like Alipay and some apps. I'm like, no, no, no. No. You, like, you, you know, and delivery. I'll say like, we can get everything delivered anytime, 24-7. And I'll give examples, yeah. but it's like, you have to come and just like live in my apartment for a couple of days and then see how you actually could just literally yeah. stay in your bed and yeah. never leave and like get anything you wanted. So I think that day yeah. of your life, but that's, that's hard anywhere to know, to understand what places are like until you're that's spent. True. I mean, even an extended vacation. I think that I don't want to soapbox too much, but I think the reason why it gets to me so much sometimes, or annoys me so much sometimes, is because there's the, the fear-mongering that goes on with it. Yes. So people are very easy to attach to the scare, what they think is a scary part of modern-day China, but they don't want to find out any of the quote-unquote normal or everyday life stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like they they like the fear. Oh, they're worse than us, or they're different in that way that, I don't know. Yeah, and... Because of the way that sound bites and, you know, articles go out, it's true about, I guess, a lot of different cultures I understand, but because the U.S. and maybe Mm -hmm. Europe as a whole and China are like these big sort of Mm -hmm. powers in the world, those are who you tend to hear. It happens outside. It happens. I mean, Chinese friends definitely have the same problems with America. Oh, yeah. Because they see the sound bites and if something is going on there and, you know, again, not all of it's wrong. It's just like not everyone's wrong about the things they're talking about China, but it's very, it's generalizations and it's overblown sometimes and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think it's equally as off Chinese people's view of other countries? Is it as misconceived as our view of China might be? Maybe not as much because I think those places have been open for so long. Mm. So there's also, like, there is still a closedness here. Yeah. I mean, to, people still have to get visas mm-hmm. to a certain, you know, there's some transit visas now. But so it just tends to be a place people from any country outside of China have gone mm-hmm. less. You know, you talk to people that do yeah. travel a lot mm-hmm. and they'll have hit like almost all of Asia, but they're like, eh, China, I have to get visas. And yeah. I hear it's more of a language barrier and stuff. So yeah. I think they have uh, people now anyway, nowadays anyway, I think people, younger people are traveling and studying abroad and mm-hmm. so much here that they're they're gaining a lot more understanding. I mean, they're rapidly outpacing mm-hmm. the others, the, you know, the other way. I'm very curious what that generation of Chinese folks are going to do once yeah. they get to that age of power. I wouldn't say put up with, but I feel like with all governments, the population has to put up with a certain amount mm-hmm. of stuff. So yeah. I'm just very, very curious how much of traditional China in its infrastructure is going to keep going and how much of it will be massaged yeah. when they get into power. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it, the, the younger generation, here, and its generations are so much shorter mm-hmm. because how much rapidly things change. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're, a they're a different breed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I interact with young Chinese people a lot and mm-hmm. the women especially they're just like they're dynamos yep. and they're doing things that you know even I mean my age I'm a totally different generation than them but even someone 10 years younger than me mm-hmm. is a totally and um, they're just doing things that just weren't popular a little while ago they are traveling more they're doing independent travel mm-hmm. they're, things that still maybe aren't like widely widely happening but slowly starting mm-hmm. to and like when you talk about coffee culture mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about a place that like you couldn't find a coffee. Mm-hmm. And even 2012, there wasn't that much coffee here. And then yep. it's like, boom, you know, and the adopting of those different things is, is interesting. And there will be a lot of probably traditional culture that gets left behind. That'll be like the sad part of it. Mm-hmm. It's never an innocent act. There's always the good and the bad that go out together. Yeah. All right. Final question. Is there any advice you would give to your 2012 self? Yes, I definitely do. <laughs> Study Chinese. You're going to be there a long time. We originally were going to be here two years. Yeah. 
and then and it was like maybe we'll extend to three that was the most mm-hmm. so we did the basic study to get yeah. by and then mm-hmm. we could get by and then we were like okay we're doing okay for now and got lazy and then at that point it was like but you know but now it won't be very long mm-hmm. and I probably will go eventually my next move will be probably to a Spanish-speaking country mm-hmm. so I'll want to get my Spanish back so I just kept saying to myself you know and we both work in English solely. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to have excuses, but mm-hmm. I would, I'm embarrassed after being here this long that my language is so horrible. Even though I, I just dealt with a locksmith situation today with a mm-hmm. guy. I mean, I well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I did call the landlord for a little little help with translation. But, I mean, it all worked fine. Yeah. So it, it, it's unfortunate that in Shanghai it's easy to be lazy like that. But I would still tell myself, because I, I pride myself on, like, finding out about culture mm-hmm. and reading and stuff. So I, this is, like, a huge hole that's missing that I, you know, don't have the language. So I know what you mean. And I'm, <laughs> I'm slowly chipping away at it. <laughs> but... The level you need to get to to read those kind of cultural yeah. books is so high. Yeah. It, and it takes so... There's a huge learning curve with Chinese that you just yeah. don't get with romance languages coming from English. Yeah, that's true. And I just wish I could have a little more conversation with I know. People, I know. So. And that's that was my biggest problem the first few times I tried to learn it. It was like I had to push through the functional stuff to get to the interesting conversations. And I'm like, I don't care about ordering at a restaurant. My pointing is working. I don't right. care. I mean, I, of course I care. Do you, are you married? Do you have children? Blah, blah, blah. Of course that's important. But that's where the conversation would end. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, that's just the beginning. Right. I want to talk more and more deeply and about different things. And it which would take so long. So, yeah. Not as an excuse. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. As long as we're here, I will be. Actually, I'll probably study even after we leave, whenever that is, because it's taking so long to get to any real level. Yeah. But the language that I'm like, and that was part of the advantages of this is that even though Cantonese sounds different and there's some grammatical differences, Mm -hmm. apparently a lot of the meanings and the words are Mm -hmm. the same. So I can read pretty much uh, Cantonese and Pudonghua and whatever once I leave. Yeah. So if I can get to a functional reading level, I can be digitally competent <laughs> no matter where I am. <laughs> it's just leaving before then is tricky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything other than language that you would tell yourself? Because that sounded more like a guilty moment. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I would. I, I, I want to say things like enjoy it and take advantage of it, but mm-hmm. I feel like I fully have done that. Yeah. I've never gotten to that point. I mean, it comes in ups and downs, mm-hmm. but because friends come and go here a lot yeah. and all that kind of stuff, what I really like about living abroad and here mm-hmm. in Shanghai, there's so much to do, is that I always want to go out and like go to new groups and do different mm-hmm. things. But mm-hmm. I mean, I've done more than I can count city tours of different aspects of Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I've gone to small towns. I, I'd like to go to more places in China, but I also don't regret at all that I've gone mm-hmm. to almost every country in Asia. Mm-hmm. I've spent a month in New Zealand. I've, you know, I've been to all the major tourist cities in, in Shanghai or in China and done a lot of the cultural stuff in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like I've taken a lot of advantage of, of the time. Yeah. There's probably other things that yeah. I said to myself, like goofy little things. Mm-hmm. Like we have the these air filters now that you, you do this rental thing. And I remember a lot of things like that. I was like, well, I, I don't want to buy this because I'm only going to be here a short time. Or I don't know, just different things about mm-hmm. settling in. Yeah. I kind of wish that I had lived one other place, but we've mm-hmm. been able, this apartment that we're in, we've been able to renew it mm-hmm. pretty well without like huge increases. That's wonderful. And it's just because comes in Shanghai thing where it's like 
okay, it's really convenient. Yeah. I have stuff I don't want to move and all that, but mm -hmm. I think I one if there is going to be any small regret besides mm -hmm. language, it would be that I didn't live in like a very another very different neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I loved I lived in Lausheman when I was mm -hmm. first here, the, the old city. Mm -hmm. um, loved it, and it's gotten. A lot of it's gotten torn down, but it's mm -hmm. about ready to be completely gone. Yeah, There's yes. some really pretty old, like, summaries of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so I really, really love that I had the time there. And then where we are now, it's just been convenient, but it's not that much of a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad to be in a different part of the city. But I kind of wish I had had maybe, like, a lane house experience mm -hmm. or something that... Um, different in terms of, but I know they have. Yeah, yeah I say that now. But then if I had done it, then I would probably be saying the advice to myself would be, "Don't, don't live in the house." <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to say. I feel like I've lived in the equivalent of lane houses in other countries. So when we were viewing them, and you know, they, when we first got back, I was like, "I think I've done this." Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I can go to an apartment. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, and I haven't. I felt like I haven't missed out on neighborhoods yeah. and stuff by being in. It's not like I've been in like a. A giant like fancy complex where I do mm -hmm. everything with it and I haven't left yeah. and you know I haven't been in an isolated you know bubble mm -hmm. so that ha hasn't really been a problem and it yeah. is nice because generally like I've never I don't think I've ever had electricity out I've you know our internet goes out but you just do the router and yeah. put it back in and yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. you know very few major issues and I know that's not always the case in older housing no so. it's not <laughs> and we've been lucky too Lots of minor things, yes. breaking all the time, but yes. nothing major. Yeah, There's not a lot of wood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, today my we did yeah. get locked into and out of our apartment because yeah. the door lock is so bad. Mm -hmm. So that was one that I'm, I can just be thankful that one of us was in and one of us was out right. and that I wasn't traveling because yeah. in about a week I'll be in Europe and that yeah. would be fun for my husband if he was stuck uh, in, the, in the apartment with calling someone help. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's things that... And and amazing how here too that it, there's always a guy for it. Mm -hmm. There's always a guy who can fix it, and it's like it's always done quickly. It was messaging my boss saying I might be late to work because the, there's no lock on the door at all mm -hmm. and stuff. And then I message him. I'm like, no, I'm gonna be on time. It's fine. It's done. Wow. Whole door done. Yeah. Just went out, got the guy on the street, brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> he pounded around for a while and got it done. Just so, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really good. So, okay, the premise of this podcast is kind of a multitude of things. One is to demystify the first year of living in a country that's not your passport country. And another one is to kind of show that it can be in a more intensive experience in the second, third, fourth, whatever year after that. But it's it can be worth it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of modals in there because sometimes it isn't. Right. But a lot of times it can be. Did you notice a difference between your first year here and the other years after it? I, a little bit. I think because everything's so new, I feel more like I've mastered a lot of things mm -hmm. now. But it's never dull here, mm -hmm. so I don't have... <laughs> I, other places that... I mean, I've, I have not been overseas somewhere as long. Mm -hmm. But other places I could see where it got like super comfortable super fast. Mm -hmm. Although... Like, if I go back to Spain, Spain has a lot of, like, interesting bureaucratic things that are actually more mm -hmm. difficult to deal with some, than uh, China. Yeah. But here, I, like, today, this incident that happened, mm -hmm. I was like, I know exactly how to deal with this. I know, even though my language is horrible, I know how I'm going to get around the language problem and all the resources I can use. Yeah. Um, so definitely, as opposed to the beginning where everything, every little task you had to do was mm -hmm. an adventure, mm -hmm. there's more mastery of it. But still, there's enough quirks. 
and there's enough things going on that's yeah. not boring at no. all. <laughs> not, never, never boring. And like some of the, I have to take moments to appreciate some of these little things, like these mm-hmm. ever-present blank of China. Uh, now I have to kind of look around and remember. And I did have a moment recently. I guess this is a good follow-up. It was a rainy night. and I was walking and so everything looks prettier at night in the city and in the rain it's like you can't see the dust and stuff so it's like really pretty and I looked around and then I looked at all the Chinese characters Mm -hmm. on all the street signs and stuff and I said my myself before I came here or when I first came here would have been like wow this is so foreign like everything is in Chinese like it looks it's cool and I was like that's so cool even though I can't read any of it but you know, it's like it's it really is quite a foreign land. A lot of places you go, you see Roman writing, even if you don't know the language. Mm-hmm. There's common words. Yep. This is cool looking around and seeing the visual of mm-hmm. that. Um, so I, I I had that moment, but I don't have those moments every day, and that's mm-hmm. a big difference, I think, between your first year and then as time goes by. Yeah, they are more frequent. Yeah, even coming back eight years ago, because mm-hmm. we we're gone for eight years. Even coming back. I had some of that. It wasn't the full year this time, but it definitely was the first few months. There was a lot of those moments yeah. daily yeah. where I was kind of like, I need some time alone now. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. to go think about that. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you, Shannon. This has yeah, been no really, problem. really, really fun to do and very interesting. I can't believe how much in common mm-hmm. I, I get from a lot of the stuff that you brought up. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad yeah. to do it. Again, I welcome and encourage guests on this podcast. So please do contact me if you're if you have a first year experience that you'd like to read and reflect on in your current day state. You don't have to currently still be living in the same place. There does need to be some time distance between when you experienced that country and that ex- first year experience and where you are now. It doesn't need to be as long as my my 13 or 14 years is from this experience, but there does need to be some time after the first year ended. Anyway, contact me for more details. I would love to hash that out with you and have you be a guest on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expat Rewind. More coming your way soon.